Good afternoon. Welcome to the Second Shift Podcast with me, your host, Rob Festenstein. We are recording on a cold autumn afternoon here in Cincinnati, and I hope everyone is doing well as we transition through the seasons. And when I was thinking of autumn, I was thinking about my interest in Frank Lloyd Wright. On one of our previous episodes with Joseph Rosenfeld, we spoke about Frank Lloyd Wright, and I wanted to go a little bit further into detail about him, about some of the experiences that I've had in visiting Wright's projects, both here in Ohio, in Illinois, in Arizona, in Pennsylvania, and a few other places along the way as well. The title of this week's podcast is borrowed from the noted musical duo Simon and Garfunkel. It is so titled after their song, So Long, Frank Lloyd Wright. This song came about in 1970 when the duo were on the verge of breaking up and splitting their own ways. And I did some research on this and saw that Art Garfunkel was trained as an architect or was in the process of becoming an architect, and they wanted to do a song in tribute to Frank Lloyd Wright. Now, Wright is a very polarizing figure. To know him is to hate him in many ways. He was known to be an SOB, a real bastard, and could piss off a lot of people just with his pure arrogance and rudeness that he was so known for. Over the years, I've had the opportunity to visit many of his buildings, as I mentioned. And one that sticks out in my memory is the Temple Beth Shalom in Elkins Park, Pennsylvania. I have had the honor of being there a few times in my life. Uh, First time was in December of 1997, then back again, I want to say about 15 years later for a conference that was in Philadelphia where we had dinner there at that synagogue. Now, it was not a hugely significant moment for me, only for the fact that the building was designed by Frank Lloyd Wright and built back in the late 50s. The building itself is meant to resemble Mount Sinai from the outside with a huge triangular structure with noted stained glass. And when you go inside, it is a cavernous sanctuary with all the typical attributes of a Frank Lloyd Wright building, intricate design, and the always known roofing problems. The interesting part about this synagogue was that they only used this sanctuary on the high holidays. It was simply too cavernous for them to use on a regular basis and had a smaller sanctuary that seated three to four hundred people, whereas this sanctuary sat in excess of a thousand. So the first time I was there, I remember vividly getting a tour from the rabbi, and he shared the history of the building with us and the criticism it received once completed. Like so many of Wright's projects do, you either love them or you hate them. He also shared the fact of how the the sanctuary suffers from constant roofing and HVAC issues, like so many of Wright's structures, as I mentioned. One can also look to the Johnson Wax office in Racine, Wisconsin, where people were known when they worked there to get a bucket to catch the rain from the leaks in the roof. However, what I remember most was how he said somebody was so displeased with the design and the final product, they referred to the synagogue as Frank Lloyd Wright's last anti-Semitic act. While I know that Wright was known to be a bit of a curmudgeon, 
I did read about his anti-Semitism, and now it makes sense to me. Quite ironic, though, given that he designed so many buildings with Jewish connections. If any of you have been to the Falling Water home in southwest Pennsylvania, you may know that it was designed for the Kaufman family uh, of Pittsburgh as their getaway retreat. The Kaufman family was a well-known Jewish family with intense philanthropy, and there were several other homes as well that were designed by him for Jews, Jewish businesses, and Jewish families. Here in Cincinnati, there are three homes that I can trace that are designed by Frank Lloyd Wright. One is in the Clifton neighborhood, one is in Amberley Village, and the third is in Indian Hill. I have only been able to see the home in Amberley Village as the other two are rather obscured and can't be seen from the street. Not wanting to be arrested, I decided to just see what I could from the street and see anything that is symbolic of Wright himself. With the Wright home in Amberley Village, it has a very bold orange driveway leading up to the, the residence, and the home was recently on the market yet again for someone to buy. It's known to be beautiful inside, and maybe perhaps someday I'll be able to see it on my own. I've also been able to visit Taliesin in Arizona, which was quite beautiful and quite earthy. It takes on the tones of the area surrounding it, and it was well worth the visit when I was there. But another time, I was with my brother-in-law in, in visiting Wright's home base in Oak Park, Illinois. Oak Park, Illinois is also known as being the place where Ernest Hemingway grew up, and Hemingway is famous for saying that Oak Park is a community of broad lawns and narrow minds. And I remember kids in high school who I grew up with in my youth group who said that they were all required to take an English class in the Hemingway classroom. And all these buildings are unique. His home studio, some other homes. And at some point, I would like to get to Falling Water in Pennsylvania. So to put that bucket, uh, excuse me, to put that on my bucket list as well as many other Wright properties that are around the country. While some of these may be accessible and some have tours and others may not, it will be interesting to be able to see more of them as time goes by. Wright has laid the found work for architecture and created many offspring who went on to be known as excellent architects in their own right. Some other properties that come to mind are the Main Township Administration Building in Park Ridge, Illinois, which was designed by his grandson named Lloyd Wright. And if you visit the building, you can see the influence of his grandfather on the building itself. When I worked at Adith Israel Congregation as the administrator for eight years, I had the opportunity to meet a man named Abram Dunbar, who is known for his own architectural style, but also was known for having been a protege of Frank Lloyd Wright and taking the internship at Taliesin. Something that you don't get to see very often or meet people for whom they have had that acquaintance with Frank Lloyd Wright, who has been passed away for more than 60 years now. Another property I would enjoy getting to see at some point is the Guggenheim. I have been outside the Guggenheim in New York City, but I was not able to go inside it. And again, it's another example of where Wright commissioned a building for a Jewish family with, that would have a Jewish name on it. And the Guggenheim is quite iconic. 
There's even a Lego set to replicate the Guggenheim Museum that my sons have showed me. And perhaps if not getting back to New York anytime soon, I would be able to build the Guggenheim in Legos, if nothing else. So with that being said, one of the other projects I've been working on throughout the pandemic has been creating a map of all the Frank Lloyd Wright buildings throughout the United States. And surprisingly, I have come close to many of them while not being able to see them. Uh, two that immediately come to mind are in Springfield, Illinois, and in the Hyde Park neighborhood of Chicago, uh, near my friend Rabbi Ed Bernstein's home base where he grew up, near the University of Chicago campus. So this is another area of interest in mine in talking about Frank Lloyd Wright, and Joseph touched upon it a little bit when we were together a few weeks ago, that Wright was known to encompass all aspects of design of his properties, including down to the tableware that you used. You can see his influence in many things, in stained glass and furniture, carpeting, bedding, every little detail he took care of. And there was a story that I saw in the Ken Burns documentary about Frank Lloyd Wright, where he designed a home for someone and sent them a piece of art that he said, I thought this would look good on your mantle in the property that he designed. But then the story says that after Wright did that, he also sent the person a bill for the item that they were displayed. So if that doesn't capture Frank Lloyd Wright, I do not know what else does. I look forward to being able to talk more about this time. And thank you for your time this afternoon here on the Second Shift podcast. I hope you enjoyed and look forward to speaking to you again soon.